listening to the Higher Ideas Podcast, where ideas grow. Connect on Twitter, YouTube, iTunes, or higherideas.net. Now here's your host, I. Hello, fellow human, and welcome back to the Higher Ideas Podcast. I've got a couple things to announce today, so let's do a news segment. What's been going on around Higher Ideas Podcast? Well, first of all, the website for this podcast, higherideas.net, has been updated this weekend. Yes, I spent all weekend updating the site, and you should find it now a lot more user-friendly. Most of all, easy on the eyes. I've made it so every episode title is a lot easier to see. I've included the description of each episode below each title. Um, The player has been updated to a nice uh, flash player and falls back to a HTML5 on phones that don't support Flash, um, the whole thing should basically be a lot smoother and experience now. Now, I've also uh, updated all of my social media links. If you scroll to the bottom, you can find my link to Twitter, to Facebook, to YouTube. Do find me there, do participate, do leave comments and rate and everything. I've also added a Facebook share button uh, below every episode that I please encourage you to use Because I do want this podcast to spread, I want this podcast to grow, and that only happens with your help. So for everyone that is helping, gracias. And you know, another thing happened while I was working on that website update. I started listening to old episodes. I went all the way back to the beginning and had a sampling here and there. Man, has this thing grown? Has this thing changed? Have I changed? My goodness. Uh, I could barely recognize myself in those first episodes. Uh, my voice has changed. The way I speak has changed. My, my, I guess my confidence in what I'm saying has also changed. I don't know if you guys can tell, but I sure can. And why not? It's been three years. So, if anything, this podcast over time should stand as a demonstration of how a person can transform by doing a project like this. I encourage all of you to take on any big, massive project that challenges you to grow in life, uh, it's really worth it. And to be honest, uh, on this new website design, I have removed several old episodes that were either uh, things that were supposed to lead somewhere and never did, uh, what I would call dead-end episodes. Those have been removed. Uh, I did a little house cleaning. That being said, there was one episode that really surprised me. That is the paranormal episode, one of the last episodes I did before I disappeared. And you know what's funny? During the two years I've been away, I thought I knew what I shared on that episode. So I was really surprised when I listened to it this weekend and realized that I dumped absolutely every crazy paranormal experience I've ever had in my life that I was still thinking I had to get around to sharing. So I've actually edited that episode. I will admit that right here. I've cut out the most intense and meaningful stories, um, just the most challenging, the most um, what-the-hell-was-that-about stories, because in that episode, like I said, I was pouring it out. I was just saying everything, trying to squeeze it into one show, and that was a mistake. Listening to it two years later with fresh ears, I really didn't like the feeling. Of, of how fast I was going through it, not giving you guys time to absorb what it means, what these crazy experiences meant. So I have removed those parts of the episode. It is now much shorter, which probably makes it easier to listen to. And I'm going to get to those uh, topics very soon, in a much more uh, well-paced way, let's say. 
that gives each of those stories the time and space and attention they deserve. Speaking of making episodes, one more announcement. I am editing right now a reading of my book. And you know what? I really like it. I've even been enjoying listening to it. So I really hope you will also when it comes out. I've decided that that video, you know what? It's not for you guys. That video I've been trying to make, I realized, is actually for strangers, quote unquote. It's to try and throw it out there in the vast internet and quickly tell someone what the book is about. That's what that video I'm making should be used for. So why the hell have I been waiting uh, to tell you guys that way? You guys are listening to this podcast, I'm assuming. So you guys know what I'm about and what's going on here. So why not just read the book and let you feel what it is? So that's what's coming. Look forward to that. And that concludes today's news segment. And takes us right into Dissecting Ego. So today's Dissecting Ego, I think, is going to be short and sweet. And it comes down to this. We've been talking about how ego is basically a bunch of stories. And that's a really important thing to start to realize when you start to view it as just a bunch of stories. It really starts to become clear how easy it is to change. Now, one of these very powerful ways that these storylines grab us up is uh, bad experiences. Having a bad experience, um, there's all sorts of instinctual and survival reasons for that to be ingrained inside of us. But it's not always uh, a reflection on the fact of, of things. You see, you could have a very bad first experience, let's say, um, at a babysitter, and then be terrified of leaving your, your mother for the rest of your life, have these deep ingrained issues because the first time someone babysat you, I don't know, you fell off a swing and, and cut your lip and bled like crazy. Um, and that can really compact into some serious long-term issues if it's left uh, as, as just a fear or left as a revulsion to something. So when someone starts digging into their ego and trying to uh, understand it, address it, uh, figure out which part is ego and which part is themselves, uh, one of these wonderful effects is that you can revisit these old traumas, these old beliefs, these old sort of reflexory um, judgments that have been made because of shocking events in the past, and uh, open yourself up to revisit them. And a lot of times, maybe if you revisit... The experience is not as horrible as you previously thought. It was just a story. It was just a memory. So that's something to keep in mind about ego. It is yet another way that it sort of keeps us trapped. Yes, it can be for our protection, as always, but that's also why it's important to question it. Is this feeling really protecting me, or is it just a lingering storyline, a lingering limit that has been placed on me because of some uncomfortable thing that happened? in the past. Questioning, questioning, questioning ego is always the first step to breaking free from its influence. You find yourself growing when you do that. And that's today's Dissecting Ego. Alright, that's all out of the way. Let's get to today's topic, which is bad trips. So, lately I have introduced the big topic, psychedelics, to the podcast, and I've told you about how healing it can be. I've shared some beautiful, enlightening experience that I've personally had. I'll share some more later. But I think it's always important to represent both sides of an idea, to represent the whole truth of a thing. 
So before we get too far ahead of ourselves in exalting the wonders and mysteries and magic and beauties of the psychedelic experience, let's take some time here to look at the dark side, to look at the negative side, to look at the potential drawbacks of the psychedelic experience. And I think I'll start by sharing what you could call a bad trip. Let me describe to you now one of my first experiences. So I guess this all started in a park in a suburban neighborhood at night. The effects of the substance I had taken were starting to kick in, and I told my friend about it. I told my friend I was starting to feel a little weird. I was looking around this park and kept catching myself forgetting where I was, thinking that I was at a park by my house, though I was across town at a park by his house. So my friend said, yeah, we better uh, head back in. So we stood and we started walking out of the park. Now, we could see my friend's house uh, from the park. At the end of the grass, there was a road that went away directly in front of us, and way at the corner of that road where it bent was his house. So we have a short walk, maybe a one-minute walk, to his house. But as we start walking, and the blood starts pumping around my body, I start realizing that the effects are very quickly coming on, and I am very quickly losing touch with reality. So what was happening was my sense of time started going crazy, started just falling apart. What was happening was that every step I was taking towards my friend's house felt like, literally... I had been taking that step over and over and over and over for literally a hundred years. Every single step was an eternity of life. And it was like torture because I was so tired. I was just, every step, if you could imagine, is a hundred years of taking a single step over and over and over after a, a, maybe a couple of meters, I was just a wreck. I, 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 I was losing hope because as I tried to stay focused and was trying to not make a scene or anything, I would every few steps find myself looking up to my friend's house in the distance. And after hundreds of years of trying to get to this house, realizing it wasn't any closer... And there were thousands of years ahead of me. And I just became so drained by this, this, this huge stretch in time. It was such a strange effect that I ended up just very quickly, basically crumbling. I, I fell to the ground. My friend started pulling on my arm saying, man, get out of the road. What are you doing? You're making a scene. And I was just saying, I can't go on. I can't do it. I mean, it was kind of funny, but to be experiencing it, wasn't funny. It was really, it really felt like I had been trapped in that moment for countless lifetimes. And I really didn't like that feeling because I just wanted to get to that house and it was never approaching. Now, eventually we did get to that house after uh, he practically dragged me there. We got into his house and uh, he decided to make me a sandwich to try to make the effects go away faster. And as he was making me a sandwich, I found myself slipping away into some other reality. Now, this other reality was very nondescript. It was just black. I would lose contact with all of my senses. I would completely be pulled out of the room, into myself or something, deep into myself. And everything would go black. I would have no 
sensory signals coming in from the real world. And I would forget about the real world while I was in there. Now, as I've described, time was feeling very stretched. So when I disappeared into myself, I was in there long enough to completely forget my life and what was going on. I was just lost in this black place. And I didn't know what was going on. And what's worse, when I was in this black place, there was a sound all around me that I could only describe as being surrounded by a stadium of people all of them holding two sticks and hitting the sticks together in unison. So it was kind of like a rhythmic clapping crowd kind of sound, but it was wooden sticks. So it was this like, and it was just this overwhelming, surrounded by this noise. And every time the noise happened, there was also this powerful sort of electric current that would shoot through my entire body from head to toe, down my legs, down my arms. And it hurt. It was painful. And so I would get pulled into this black place of this sound, this rhythm, and this pain shocking my body like, like an electric current. And once in a while, I would sort of surface. I would find myself foggily reconnecting to reality. And every time I did we'd be somewhere else in the house. We'd be doing something else. Time had elapsed, and I was sort of confused. Where are we? What's happening here? What What are we doing right now? And when I did surface for these moments, I was still so out of it that I wasn't sure it was reality. I thought it was a dream. And I found myself doing very silly things. Uh, I would move objects in the space. Uh, for instance, there was a cup, an empty cup on my friend's uh, desk, and when I saw it, I turned it upside down on the desk. And I told myself, when this is over, if that cup is turned over, uh, it'll mean this was real. And then I would sink back into the black place for unknown time. More torture. So you can see that I was really deeply getting affected by this. I was, I was having a really hard time. I mean, even reality didn't seem real when I came back to it. And in fact, I'm going to share a very scary moment that happens. During this experience, there was a moment where I came back out of that black place and once again was looking around the room to try and find something to affect, something to change, so that tomorrow I would know this was real. And the first object I saw was a blue exacto knife on my friend's coffee table. And my friend was beside me watching TV or something, and the thought that crossed my mind was to take the exacto knife and to stab him with it. Now, I am not a violent person, I'm not a murderer, but that thought came into my mind, if I'm really honest, and it terrified me, because I knew, what if this is real and I do that? Don't fucking do that, why am I thinking about these thoughts? And that really freaked me out, so I managed to stay still, thank God, and not act on it. I don't know if I really would have acted on it, but the thought was enough, the thought was scary enough that this was in my head and that I would even think about this, what the hell? So I stayed still, and I definitely took no action. I made sure to take no actions to make sure I don't do that. And then eventually I sank back into the black place of the rhythm and the pain, disconnected from reality, suffering. <sighs> and it was tough, and I eventually figured out that this rhythm and this electric jolt going through my body was actually my heartbeat. I was in such a strange sensory state that every beating of my heart was was 
agony. I could feel it moving through my body, and it hurt. That's how sensitive I had become for some reason. Ah, it was, no, it was a really, I'm sure you're understanding, it was a really difficult and scary experience. And eventually, you know, the evening wound out, my friend went to sleep, I fell asleep on his sofa, and the next day, I woke up. And things, you know, had settled down after a very long night of this black place and this torturous experience. And I asked my friends, you know, what happened last night? And he said I was just quiet. I wasn't acting strange or anything, I was just quiet. And I found that hard to believe, because I was so gone, I was amazed that my body could even function. So I was walking around and sitting around with my friend and following him and not really participating in any of our activities, but just, you know, being there, not flopping onto the grounds. I found that amazing because I was completely gone. I wasn't there at all, so who the hell was in charge of my body while I was absolutely disconnected? I found that quite strange. But anyway, that was my experience. Now, someone might be wondering, what the hell was that? What did you take, man? Well, that was the first time that I smoked marijuana. Yep. Now, I'm assuming most of you have had marijuana before, and most of you are thinking, how the hell can marijuana do that to a person? Well, I agree, because in fact, that kept me away from marijuana for several years, and actually, I was never going to touch marijuana again, you can imagine, after something that nightmarish. And I was never going to touch any drug after that, because marijuana was supposed to be sort of an entry-level experience, and it was that? No way. No drugs for me, thank you. And it took many years before I even approached marijuana again. But I did eventually. And when I did, the experience was fine. And actually, it saved my life. If you're curious to hear that story, it's episode 19 of the podcast. So what's my point? What's my point here? Am I trying to scare you off of substances? No, of course not. I'm just sharing this story because it's a perfect example that these plant medicines affect everyone in a different way, and you never really know how it's going to affect you until you try. No matter what someone else says about the experience, you never know until you try. Just like any other experience, as I've said many times, experience it for yourself before you decide. So although I will be here on this podcast highlighting all sorts of benefits and positives, I just want you to remember that you're an individual and things will affect you in an individual way. When I speak about things, I'm trying to represent an average view that is also connected to my own personal experiences. That's all I'm doing, is sharing my personal experiences. So, by and large, for me, psychedelics have been great. There's not been that much negative connected to them. And by and large, marijuana has been great. But that was my first kiss with marijuana. And it was horrifying. And that's also to say that the first time or the first couple times you try a substance like marijuana or mushrooms or anything, you might have an experience that is purely unique to the first couple of experiences. You might have a bad initiation into this experience because your mind has to adjust. I mean, I've thought for many years about what the hell happened in that first marijuana nightmare. What was that? I still don't quite understand. 
But if I've learned anything about myself over the years, it's the first time I try a substance, it usually hits me a lot harder. If I'm trying something for the first time, take a very small dose and feel it out slowly. Increase the dose over time. Take your time. Don't jump in too deep, too fast. Now, the fact is, when it comes to psychedelics, there are some people that shouldn't be touching them, that shouldn't be using them. And I've had a very hard time trying to figure out how to define who that person is. Because, first of all, I haven't personally known someone that has been ruined by psychedelics, but also because I myself, uh, you know, haven't been ruined by psychedelics. I've been improved by it. So I have to kind of use my imagination here to figure out, okay, based on what I know of psychedelics, who shouldn't go near them? So this is by no means a professional person's opinion. This is just personal opinion. So the psychedelic experience takes you into a realm, as I've described. It takes you into what seems to be an alternate level of reality. And as such, it can really swallow you up. It can really pull you into a world of dreams. And I guess the first person I would advise against psychedelics is someone who has trouble um, separating their dreams and ideas and fantasies from reality. If you already have trouble separating those things, let's say, I don't know, I don't know psychology that well, but it would, would that be schizophrenia? I don't know. Um, someone who's got a mental problem with stability probably shouldn't go near a psychedelic. But I do have a friend whose brother um, is sort of a cautionary tale. Now, I don't know too many details about this, but this guy ended up committing suicide. And as it turned out, while his family thought uh, his life was improving and he was, he was working out, he was becoming buff and healthy and changing his life in all sorts of ways, this is while using psychedelics. Turns out he was doing all of that because through his psychedelic experiences... He thought that he was some kind of interdimensional warrior that needed to go into battle on some other plane. And he ended up committing suicide in, in his healthiest state of his life to go in a healthy state and fight this battle on another plane. So you can see that it can be said this person was the kind of person that should not get too involved in psychedelics and possibly never even should have touched them. But you see, no one else could have known because this guy was clearly hiding this storyline that had developed that he was some kind of, you know, interdimensional warrior and blah, blah, blah that led to his suicide. Clearly there was something wrong there. There was something happening between him and the psychedelic experience that was creating sort of a loop of building up this fantasy that led to him killing himself. Now, I know I've talked about beings and stuff, so I have to say, maybe, maybe, in, in full fairness to the universe, maybe he was right. Maybe he was some kind of interdimensional warrior, and he is right now fighting on another plane, saving the world, you know? Maybe. But of course, by and large, we don't like people killing themselves. We don't like that. It feels wrong, and that would definitely appear to be a wipeout, a detrimental disaster that happened to this person through getting wrapped up in psychedelics and building a fantasy. But see, that's the thing. Psychedelics are similar to 
dreams. Um, and it's important between psychedelic sessions to land in reality again, to not stay disconnected in that other place, because that leads to all kinds of extreme behavior like that. And uh, frankly, that really just comes down to the individual being responsible, just like so many other things in life that can be abused. Um, if you are thinking about getting involved in psychedelics, or if you have been involved in psychedelics, it's so important to keep your wits about you. When you're entering that relationship with this powerfully influential force that is psychedelics, the first thing anyone needs to commit to is health is I am going to keep an eye always on the effect on my life. How's my life going? How am I affecting others around me? What changes have I made? Are they good changes or bad changes? And where is this all heading? Basically, the question to keep asking yourself is, is this helping me live this life in a better way? It's, it's sort of a checkpoint that you have to keep keeping an eye on. Because, as I said, psychedelics can really take you away if you're the kind of person that's prone to falling into fantasy. You must always have that discipline to come back to reality and, first of all, not take any extreme actions if they come to your minds and let the moment pass, let time pass, and really think about things before you do something like kill yourself. Ah, oh, yeah. But you see... People have private lives. People are free to do what they want. We don't live in a small village where people are keeping a very close eye on each other anymore. So, if you're going to start tinkering with this stuff, it's so important to have your wits about you, to take your life into your hands, and if you see that it's pointing you in a destructive direction, well, man, stop. Don't keep going. Get away from that stuff. It's not for you. It's not for everybody. But of course, no one can tell you. It's an individual thing to be aware of. How is this affecting me? Anyway, yeah, it's tough. It's tough stuff to uh, face. But yeah, like every other substance, just like hamburgers and cigarettes and alcohol, uh, there are people out there who overindulge, who, who lose themselves in a thing, to their own destruction and the destruction of others. And, you know, psychedelics being a fringe thing, we don't need more of that. So please, for God's sake, if you're going to approach this stuff, do it with respect, do it with sanity, do it with a very strict eye on yourself, and um, don't let it twist on you. But of course, these are minority cases. By and large, the effects of psychedelics are very beneficial in healing if they're taken with that um, context in mind. It's just there's always going to be people out there who react strangely to things, just like I reacted to my first marijuana experience. That was absolutely unheard of for marijuana, but it happens. Now, that was a story of how a relationship with psychedelics can feed into someone's existing um, mental problems. It's not a cure for every mental problem. It will cure post-traumatic stress, but it will exacerbate other mental issues, like I said, that mostly center around uh, not being able to ground yourself in reality. If you feel that's something that's going on with you, eh, approach with caution, if at all. 
So let's shift gears and talk about another kind of bad trip, quote-unquote, that can happen. Now, these are experiences that you can have on a psychedelic medicine that are miserable to go through. An absolute nightmare. It's not always beautiful. It can be terrifying. I've experienced that myself. It can be really, really hard to go through a psychedelic journey when the subject being brought up is hard. Now, I want to correct something I said in a previous psychedelic episode where I talked about a smoker who might realize his issues in a way that doesn't hurt, quote-unquote. It won't even hurt, I said. What I meant by that is it won't inflame the ego to a defensive reaction. The ego will accept facing it. But it can hurt, quote-unquote. I mean, I've had psychedelic experiences that... um made me feel like a horrible person because I realized something I was doing in life that was absolutely horrible, and I felt so bad about myself. That's a horrible thing to go through. No one wants to face that. It didn't feel good to go through it. But on the other side, this is what's important. What happens on the other side? What happened on the other side is I realized I had this aspect of myself that was unsavory, and I lived after that in a way that tries to avoid it, that tries to be mindful of that trait I have and try to correct it. But that wouldn't have happened if I didn't do the hard thing of facing it. See, it's not unheard of to have a miserable cry in the midst of a psychedelic journey when realizing something that is just heartbreaking. I've had my heart broken in so many ways during psychedelics, um, either because of something I had done to others and realizing how horrible it was, or realizing something someone had done to me that I didn't realize had hurt that much. But you see, going through that process of letting the tears flow, of feeling the emotion, that's how you digest it. That's how it finally clears out. And on the other side, it's often gone. It's often healed. So healing that does happen in a psychedelic experience isn't always beautiful. It can be ugly. It can be tough. It can be a trial. Trust me. But what you must keep an eye on is, again, when you're back in reality, what was the effect? And that's what I talk about when I say psychedelics are healing, because for me, the effect afterwards has always been a load off my back, has always been uh, just a complex, removed freedom, greater freedom and flexibility in the long run, but to go through it is not always fun. So let me give you an example of one of my trips that was probably one of the most miserable mushroom trips I've ever had. Now this is a case in one of my early journeys into psychedelic space, when I was still experimenting, trying to figure out um, how one can use this force, how one can use it like a tool, right? Uh, How do you go in there and solve a specific problem in your life. See, up to this point, I had been just throwing myself in, completely open to the experience with no direction in mind. And all of these random things were being brought up about me and about life that were healing me in a very gradual way, that were addressing this issue and then that issue. And, you know, that was all great. But on this day, I wanted to find out, can I go in with a specific issue and find myself resolved of it when I come out on the other side. So the issue that I chose that day 
I was unemployed. I had been unemployed for many years at that point. Uh, I didn't know where to go with my life. I didn't know what to do with myself. And that was probably one of the biggest questions in my life at that time. So I thought, let me take this into the experience tonight. Let me ask the mushrooms what I should do with my life. Where I go, what do I do? You know, not in a very uh, meaningful, deep way, just a very please just show me where to go kind of way. And so I took my mushrooms, waited for them to kick in, and was very conscious going in while the effects started to remember that question, to, to keep focused on that purpose. Um, what do I do with my life? And soon enough, the patterns started in my eyes, which were indicating that I was about to be released from my body soon and, and go into this visual dreamlike adventure that I had known so well by then. Well, didn't quite go that way. I felt that my body was trying to sort of separate from my consciousness. My consciousness was trying to leave, but I found myself stuck in a very uncomfortable way. Uh, there was something in my brain. I could physically feel a spot in my brain that was holding my soul back. Uh, I couldn't leave. I could. I, there was there was this chunk that I was stuck on in my head, and I knew that it was ego. As I was trying to release it, I realized it was like a rat uh, trapped against a wall in a corner that was freaking out. And I was thinking, why the hell is my ego holding on today? Why is my ego not releasing in this one corner? And I was trying to confront it myself, saying, calm down, man, release, let go. And it was, it was, it was resisting. It was like this wild animal going, no, 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 we can't let go. So it was a very sort of tense start to my journey. But you see, what was happening is that my ego wasn't completely dissolving because that was the part of my ego that was holding on to the question, what do I do with my life? See, it would seem that the way I was trying to control the experience was actually bringing ego into it. Uh, there was no way for me to enter into this journey while holding on to this question that had to do with basically a meaningless physical life, right? It was about money. It was about, uh, in the end, this, this need I had to get back into a job was nothing more than feeling that I was worthy in our society. It was, it was, it was connected to all kinds of ego and insecurity. And trying to go in holding this question had basically told my ego, don't dissolve. Hold on to this question. Bring it in. But ego is not very good about traveling in psychedelic space. So, of course, I had this massive drag that I described that was just, it felt like I was getting stretched in two directions. It was very tense, and the takeoff was trying to happen, and I was missing the takeoff because of this weight. Now, with mushrooms, I've always felt that the experience itself, the, uh, the whole journey, seems to have a mind behind it. The actual mushroom experience seems to be a sort of being that you commune with. And in fact, that was the consciousness I was trying to ask my question to. I was trying to ask mushrooms if they can help me. What happened after this failure to launch, I mean, this, this, this launching into psychedelic space tried to happen. And as I said, I was held behind by my ego. And eventually that blast off faded away. I missed it. I missed the takeoff. And now I was stuck on my mattress, on my bed, fighting, wrestling with my ego, 
really disappointed in myself. This was a train wreck. This experience was a wreck. But what happened next was a feeling that the consciousness of the mushroom experience came at me and took that question away from my ego as if it was grabbing it out of my hand saying, what the hell is this? What are you bringing me? This? You're bringing me this question? This stupid question? And it kind of threw it aside. And then I had this overwhelming feeling of, let me tell you something, man. That is not the question you need to be asking me right now. You need to be asking this question. And then something came at me. The question that I needed to be asking about my life fell on me like a ton of bricks. And it was something that until that moment I hadn't even considered. The concept that came at me from mushrooms was this. You have never accepted reality. You have never in your life fully been in your body. You have never in your life fully accepted this place and that this is all going on. And that you're here and that you're stuck. And yes, you know there's another place. You know that there's another level that you came from, that we all come from. But guess what? You're here. And you gotta fucking accept it. Because you can't leave without dying. And mushrooms absolutely drowned me in this. It was like it was taking it in its hands and shoving it in my face, up my nose, and my mouth. It was saying, swallow it. Swallow this. And it was so true about me. And it was so ugly. And I didn't ever accept reality. And the reason the question had never even come to mind is that I didn't want to face that that was going on inside me ever since I was conscious. But mushrooms decided, this is the moment, you're facing it. And it absolutely was merciless. And I tell you, I was rolling on the ground. I fell off my bed. I was squirming in all sorts of ways. I was crying huge gobs of snot coming out of my nose, tears just pouring over my face, filling my ears, a huge puddle of tears on the ground. I was moaning and I was reaching up into the air with clawed hands and I was I was trying to fight it. But at the same time I was also trying to embrace it. I was trying to listen to this advice because I knew I knew it was true about me and what mushrooms were telling me what the mushroom consciousness was telling me was that that was the biggest issue in my life for my whole life. And I needed to face it. And I needed to find a way to resolve it before I even worry about jobs, about like all this stupid stuff that, yes, is important, but in context, in comparison to this core foundational issue, it didn't matter a damn thing, and I was trying to bring that to this wise force. Yeah, mushrooms weren't happy with me that day. Hours, hours of writhing around on the ground, crying, moaning, just babbling all kinds of things to this experience, trying to, trying, trying to, trying to connect with this difficult, difficult lesson. And I remember, as I was clawing at the air above me, 
the air of my room. I was trying to embrace this lesson. I was trying to find a way to hold on to this reality, to grip into it, because I knew that it was true, that my soul, basically, had never fully entered my body. I had always been one foot in this world and one foot in the other world. And in this strange way, trying to let the universe know that I knew what was going on here, that this place isn't quite real, quote-unquote. I had never fully entered it. But that was a problem, because there are things to do here. And when you don't quite fully commit to something like life, well, you're only half-assing everything, aren't you? So, that was it. That was my trip. Hours of that. And if anyone had walked in on me, During that experience, if someone had heard me moaning and crying and come into the room and seen me twisted on the ground with blankets all around me and absolutely, um, um, absolutely incoherent in that moment, they might have thought I was having some kind of psychotic episode. They might have brought me to a hospital and filled me with antipsychotics, and it would have been a disaster because of that. But of course, that's why it's so important to have control on your environment when you're having these experiences, because they can get ugly. They can get noisy. You have to know that no one's going to interrupt without understanding what's going on. That's one of the worst things that can happen in a trip like that. But luckily, no one heard me, and I had this moment to myself, this difficult, difficult trip. And you know what? When I came out of it, I hadn't quite managed to embrace reality in the way that the mushrooms were trying to show me. But over the following months and years, I think I can say I finally have entered my life. Now this all might sound really weird. This might all sound very mystical and woo-woo, but think about it on a symbolic level. Even if the soul doesn't exist, even if there wasn't an actual being talking to me, the effect was that there was a truth there. It was true that I hadn't quite embraced life, ever in my life. And thanks to that being highlighted in such a difficult way, I moved on from that day with an awareness that I have that challenge in life. And I tried to find ways to connect to life, to appreciate that, okay, yeah, maybe this isn't real, maybe this isn't quite all of reality, but I'm here for now, and there's something to do here. So let me find a way to calm down and accept that this is happening and do my best with this while I'm here. And it was maybe one of the biggest lessons I ever got out of mushrooms, but it was also one of the ugliest trips I had. So that's all to say that bad trips are not always bad trips. Even though they might look ugly to others or yourself, What's important is the lesson, what's important is the message, and what is important is what you do with it afterwards. Now, I want to steer this back to marijuana again, just to add this. How many times have you heard people say, I don't smoke marijuana because it makes me paranoid? Well, I've been through that myself. I've been through phases in life where smoking marijuana made me paranoid. And so many people seem to jump to the conclusion that therefore... Marijuana makes people paranoid, or marijuana can make certain people paranoid, right? And those people might walk away from marijuana forever, 
saying, nah, that stuff makes you paranoid. But here's the thing, having had such a long relationship with marijuana as I have had, I can tell you this now with certainty. If you're smoking marijuana, and it's making you paranoid, it's not the marijuana. You are paranoid. There's something in your life that is trying to get your attention, that you don't want to face. And when you smoke marijuana, marijuana is trying to show it to you. But what's happening is you're not facing it. And what ends up happening after that is you have this sort of anxiety attack reaction. Now, how do you find out what it is that, that you're trying to hide from? It's quite simple. Whatever that anxiety you're having is centering around, if it's about health. For me, it was health. Every time I smoked marijuana during those times where I was anxious, I thought I was dying. I thought, oh, uh, there's a pain in my arm, or, you know, oh, I feel so sick and weak. And I would think, marijuana is making me sick. But no, marijuana was showing me that I was afraid that I was sick. And all of these paranoias that were happening were stemming from that. And once I addressed that in my life and faced it and started to work on healing it, I was able to smoke marijuana again and there was no anxiety. See, what I'm saying is marijuana is a great um, detector of whether or not you have some unresolved, deep, uh, illness-causing anxiety within you. If you smoke marijuana and you become anxious or paranoid, don't blame the marijuana. See it as a helpful tip that there's something in you you have to fix and look at. And then, once you do that, guess what? You'll be able to smoke marijuana and have a beautiful, relaxing time. And that's the reward at the other side of that work. So marijuana can be this great ally in life, because if I ever smoke marijuana and I find myself being paranoid or becoming twitchy or nervous, I always take that as a sign that there's something in my life that I'm not addressing. There's something in my life that's in the background and bothering me and making me very nervous. And what I do is I stay away from marijuana for a while until I figure it out and deal with it. And I revisit marijuana once in a while to see how I feel until all of a sudden I find that, hey, I feel great. I feel great on marijuana. I guess I fixed it. So that's that. Keep it in mind while I talk about the benefits of any of these medicines. Um, they don't happen without hard work and a mature mind and an eye on healing and improving and embracing lessons, even if they're miserable. And of course, don't let this episode fool you into thinking the opposite, that uh, psychedelics and this kind of experience is scary or dangerous or daunting. It will be what it needs to be. It might be beautiful, it might be miserable, but if you keep an eye on your healing and stay focused on absorbing what is being taught, it's always worth it in the end, at least so far in my own experience. And also remember that if you approach any of these medicines and have a negative experience, it doesn't mean that that'll be your experience forever. Maybe go and live for a couple of years and try again in a while. Um, of course, this marijuana example I gave in the beginning of this episode very much highlights that sometimes the person might just chemically or maturity or spiritually not be ready for one of these experiences. And to have a bad experience when you try doesn't mean you should avoid it forever. Uh, maybe it just means you're not ready yet. 
And if in five years it's still the same thing, well, then maybe it's just not for you. It's all a very individual thing that has to be felt out on one's own, but always approach with caution, respect, and maturity. So that does it for today's episode. As always, please do find me on higherideas.net, where you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, find me on YouTube, leave a rate and a comment. Hey, if you're listening to this on YouTube, maybe you can share. Have you had a negative trip in the past? What have you learned from it? Or what are your thoughts in general on today's topic? I'm always happy to see comments, and I always try to reply. And of course, if you're catching this on YouTube, be sure to subscribe. And also... Remember that at the end of this video, I have a little video clip there pointing you to related episodes and whatnot. So do have a look right now. And that's it for today's episode. So until next time, fellow human, keep thinking. <laughs>